If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. Become Marie's friend on Facebook or follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's new website. It has a whole new look and added features like Chakra of the Month and a live Twitter feed. Sign up for Marie's free newsletter. Each quarter, she writes an in-depth article in response to Dear Marie questions. Email Marie if you'd like your question to be answered in an upcoming edition. For more information, visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, or call 425-825-5671. Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. We're live here in sunny, gorgeous Seattle. I'm actually wearing, okay, maybe a sweater, but a short sleeve top. The sunroof was completely open. I did have a little bit of the bun warmer on, I must admit. But it's gorgeous outside. It is right now, and I don't want to be uh, the, the barrier uh, of bad, bad news. news yeah. But uh, we are expecting increasing clouds. <gasps> we could have yeah. some showers this evening, but the good news is, is yeah. those showers were actually scheduled for tomorrow. <laughs> so tomorrow through the weekend could turn out rather nice. Oh my goodness! Okay, so we'll have them early in the evening, and then we'll have another gorgeous day. I went for a run this morning in the park and saw a blue heron actually flew really close to my head, and then an eagle, a baby eagle, or maybe a junior eagle, or I don't know what kind it was but it was had a brown head on it so it was just so beautiful just it was gorgeous just gorgeous this morning gorgeous yep. gorgeous and i hear things are kind of heating up in the uh, presidential campaign i i heard that santorum dropped out he did wow this week yeah shocking yep. Yep. shocking and and so now basically although newt hasn't quit yet i mean obviously he's not going to be a, a running um person against barack obama um and now i guess romney has to pick a romney running mate um although we already know who's going to win i mean i don't even think you have to be psychic to know this <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious with romney's past about women's rights and um you know, all, all of those lovely things about... Strapping a dog to the top of his car on a family vacation. Oh, really? I didn't even know that one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I read that somewhere, and it's just I just sort of scratched my head. Like, wow. <laughs> really? Well, he has, he's made interesting comments about Ro- Roe versus Wade in yeah. the past, which doesn't go well with most of American culture. Um, and, and so it'll be fascinating, um, this very, what I consider like a short fuse election, you know, and then we'll have our lovely president that we've already had for four years, and hopefully he'll get the health care plan through all of the hoops and and legal uh, aspects of being a person in politics. Yeah, it seems like the emphasis should really be on Congress this year. Mm-hmm. really need to have a Congress that can function as a unit, uh, because right now everything is so polarized. Nothing gets done. Yeah, and well, that, that's bad. That's bad legislation. Yeah. Nothing gets done. I just don't think that's new, though. You know, it's no, it's not. Like, but it's it's gotten worse. Is it getting worse? Yeah. Really? <laughs> you should see Mike's face right now. Mike is actually substituting for Eric, who's he's in New York, actually, I believe. Yes, he is on vacation of some sort. Yep. Yes, and so Mike usually does um, radio at night. In fact, we used to work together when I did the Marie Manu Cherry Show. Long time ago. In the evening, yes, lovely. And so we get to meet every once in a while when Eric is gone or on vacation. You take over, which is so kind. And, and so Mike is the audio engineer for today. Yeah, and we get caught up. I know, we get caught up. And how's your back pain? Oh, 
No, I don't have back pain, knock I on. I love it. Any wood. It's just, uh, it's so great. I love just it. Just not to have to deal with that. I'm so happy. I, I um, taught. Does the story bear yeah. repeating? If you want I, to. I think it should. Okay. Because <laughs> you gave me some just really sound advice, gosh, six months ago. I can't remember, to be honest with you. And that was to include an exercise uh, to imagine running water running through the um, middle of my back, right in between my shoulder blades to hit a chakra. And I've been doing that. And I do that. Uh, as part of a morning stretching routine that I have. And I am so pleased to say that I have not had any back issues since then. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so welcome. And, and you are doing the work. So that's the beautiful thing. That's right. I wrote the book, Intuitive Self-Healing, because I believe people heal themselves. I can teach a whole bunch of exercises. But what somebody chooses to do on their own and consistently could change everything. So congratulations. I'm super happy for you. And uh, with that wonderful news and update, and of course, we already know who's going to win the election. Um, I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing Robert Taylor. I've interviewed him once before. He's an Episcopal priest and actually proclaimed gay Episcopal priest. And he um, wrote a beautiful, beautiful um, new book. Uh, the foreword is written by Desmond Tutu, A New Way to Be Human, Seven Spiritual Pathways to Becoming Fully Alive. We're very blessed and honored to um, have Robert, a resident of Seattle. He lives right here in the Northwest. He's not in the studio with me right now. He's on the phone. So welcome to the show, Robert. Boy, thank you, Marie. It's great to be back with you. I'm uh, so looking forward to this and, um, and to your listeners calling in and talking with both of us as well. Oh, me too. I know. I'm, I'm so excited. I've enjoyed reading your book and reading your history because I have interviewed one, you once before. You're a fascinating man. You know so many people. You've traveled all over the world. You're, you're just amazing and so passionate about helping individuals and organizations to realize their full human potential um, to positively impact the world. In fact, this is kind of what you've dedicated your life towards. Do you agree? Well, you know, I, I, I think I've just thought of my life being, you know, my life. And I, I don't think that I've necessarily thought about it in those ways, except to say that, that I think I, I engaged it with a strong belief that, uh, that each of us uh, has, has a unique voice and a unique role in not only living uh, a happy and a compassionate life, but, but a life that helps to change and polish the world. I love to think about that notion of polishing the world. Um, and I think that, that our connection with one another and the, the pathways that are outlined in the book um, provide some tools that, that I've discovered over the decades, uh, both in my own personal work uh, on my own journey, but, but also in, in working with thousands of people uh, over the years on, on a variety of issues. Right. And um, for those of you who haven't experienced Robert Taylor, yes, you are hearing an accent. He was born and raised in South Africa. And uh, you had some pretty amazing experiences. You write in the beginning of the book about being 15 approximately and having to have multiple back surgeries. And, and during that time, you actually found out about apartheid. I mean, you've been living in South Africa, you know, as a young person, and, and you really didn't realize, um, uh, you know, to what extent how it could, how it could end, how there were people um, out in the world working on ending apartheid. Yeah, well, you know, Maria, it's so interesting. I, I tell the story of, of that experience of, of hospitalization and the physical healing that occurred after two very unsuccessful spinal surgeries. And the point of that story is not so much about whether one believes in the possibility of physical healing or not, but, but where that story led me to. And it was um, 
out of the and beyond the enclosure that, that South Africa had so successfully created in terms of keeping uh, people of different races uh, apart in order not to know one another as human beings. And I think, I think each of us, um, no matter how open and progressive we are, uh, no matter how curious we are about the world, we carry with us some sort of enclosure about something or some group of people. And so, so that story, like, like all of the stories I tell in the book, are really done by way of invitation of saying there's something about our story that reveals the, uh, the grace and the compassion of the universe and of the holy at work in our lives. Uh, and so in my case, that, that story led me to a shocking awareness of the <laughs> truths of the country. Right. And, you know, wondering, boy, is this the same place that I live in? Mm-hmm. Uh, which in turn led me to be invited to speak in a church about, you know, my experience of healing. And, and you know, it was a black church and here was this white kid going to, to speak about something that I wasn't sure I had much to say about it. But the, the upshoot of that was a series of friendships that began and beginning to discover in the connecting stories of those who I got to know, those whom the enclosures of the system uh, of that country really wanted to make sure we didn't know one another, what that revealed about our common humanity and our common hopes um, and the way in which working together we could help to change the world. Right. That's uh, you tell the story so beautifully that you're, you know, you were in a lot of pain and you were scared because you had multiple surgeries. And for those individuals who haven't experienced back surgery or don't know anyone who has them, you have to be immobilized. I mean, you have to be very careful because we're talking about all those vertebrae, you know, being manipulated right in some way and and big incisions and. And you also speak fondly of your uh, fellow classmates and the school that you were attending, how they were helping you carrying your things and trying to keep you safe because you were wearing this big brace. And um, in the story, you talk about being back in the hospital and you actually were chatting with one of the nurses who got you some hot cocoa in the evening. And you began talking to her about a book that you were reading that actually led you uh, eventually, because I love the synchronicities. I I love that part of life, you know, that um, Desmond Tutu... um, uh, when he was, um, I, if I remember the story accurately, when he was having some challenges in his life, the priest who visited him was the same priest who wrote the book that you were reading that was bringing apartheid to light in, in your yeah. mind. Yeah, I, I love that story. Oh. And, um, because I think it's a story that that each of us can connect with at some moment or place or time in our life. Um, and at the very least, to, to, to live with a consciousness of being aware about the power of those stories. Um, they're not just um, single events. They're normally part of a, a seamless sort of circle in our life. And, and I tell the story in the book of, you know, the first time that I had this one-on-one meeting with Desmond Tutu, he said, Robert, so, so tell, me who, tell me who you are, not what you've done. Who you are, uh-huh. and you know, just just think of how often we're at an event, and you know, we meet someone, and we say hi, Marie, or hi, Robert, and oh, so what do you do? Um, and it's it's almost instinctive in our culture, and I was surprised by the story. So, in fact, uh-huh. I, I shared that story that you that you just spoke about about being in the hospital and reading yeah. this book, and and I felt so lonely in the hospital, and I'd fallen out of bed, and I was uh-huh. terrified, and I'd been crying, and I was fifteen, and. Um, I didn't know what the future held, and and so I was telling the nurse about this book by Trevor Huddleston, and when and I told that to to Tutu, and suddenly he started bursting out laughing, 
And I thought, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I know I am. At that point, I'm a 22-year-old um, kid, um, and he's this 48-year-old iconic anti-apartheid <laughs> social justice activist. And I'm thinking, oh, what have I said? <laughs> and he paused, and he said, you know, when I was your age as a teenager, I spent long periods of time in the hospital for tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And he said, Trevor Huddleston was also my visitor in the hospital. He was my, my pastor. And he came to visit me and read stories to me. And, you know, who would have thought that, you know, I mean, nothing on the surface would have said that that connecting point in our stories uh, would have been there. Uh, but there it was. And so I, I love the story because when we begin to be at home with the truth of our stories and what they reveal and and free to tell them, which often we, we, we feel embarrassed or hesitant or so on. And, and of course, sometimes it's unsafe to tell parts of your story in certain circumstances. But, but when we make, when we live with a consciousness about that pathway, um, surprising things reveal themselves about life and its invitation to us to become more fully alive and, and more profoundly connected with one another. And you talk about that in the book, about, you know, owning your story or living your story. It's kind of like reliving it deeper and deeper for yourself. Um, and I found that fascinating. So, and I think, you know, I, my experience is that when, when we're comfortable in the telling and the retelling of our stories, they reveal different truths to us. That's not to say that we're telling a different story, but we may be at a season or a cycle in our life where we're able to to hear and observe or glean some new wisdom and say, oh my gosh, was that really going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question becomes, what do we do with that? Right, right. <laughs> because those things are always an invitation to go deeper and, and often to be transformed in, in some way. And you know, the kind of transformation that, that, you know, maybe ever so gently shifts or shapes the, the course or the curves of our life, not necessarily making huge dramatic changes, but, but cumulatively those transformations um, are, are part of what, what keep us um, on a path to becoming more fully alive throughout mm-hmm. the journey of our life. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So in 1980, uh, as a young adult, you worked tirelessly to end apartheid. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu sent you to the United States to avoid imprisonment for this you know, anti-apartheid activity. And you write in the book about that, coming to New York, and all the things you had to do you know, to make a yes. new life for yourself. And you also talk about how it's so important for us to ask for help. You know, yeah. Yeah. And so, could you explain a little bit more about that? Well, I think, um, I, think I had my earliest lesson about that um, when I was wearing a body cast for six months after each spinal surgery, and I was in high school, and my schoolmates had to carry my books for me. And um, at first, that felt incredibly embarrassing, humiliating, demeaning. Um, There was helplessness about it. Um, And it was one of those situations where I had to either enter into it and accept those offers each day, out of the generosity and graciousness with which they were made, uh, or else live in a place of resentment. And I could not imagine that choice. And Mm. so I think that that the learning to ask and the learning to receive is part of of the choices that we consciously make about how we choose to, 
to live and to be in the world each day. And, and certainly in New York, you know, I, I remember going to see the, the person who was the, uh, the pastor at the church that Tutu had, had connected with me with and sent me to and who had helped with paying for my graduate school and, and living expenses. And, and I, I remember saying something like, you know, it's just, you know, I'm overwhelmed by the generosity and it, it feels so awkward to ask. And, and the response was pretty much, you know, you have given to us by your presence and we have the capacity to give in this way. And the message that I was getting was that we each contribute and give in very distinct ways that, that reflect a particular moment or circumstance in time. And, and I think it's often hard for us, in this, in, particularly in the North American culture, um, to live into that reality. Uh, we, most of us want to be self-sufficient. We don't want to be dependent upon each other. I'm not suggesting that we should seek out being dependent upon <laughs> each other, but rather to say that I think that those moments reveal for us this profound uh, oneness and interconnectedness that we have as human beings. And when we start to see it, some of those small moments um, or relationships, it has an impact on how we think about, um, you know, the the reality of the lives of of uh, young uh, boys and girls in the Pacific Northwest who have been taken into the sex uh, traffic traffic mm. business, or how we think about mm. uh, the people who are suffering in Syria, or, or whatever the, the the circumstance that we might be reading about in in the news. Uh, we our consciousness, our compassion, uh, and our hearts are expanded uh, when we learn uh, what giving and receiving looks like. Beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. I'm interviewing Robert Taylor, the author of A New Way to Be Human. Beautiful title, by the way. I, and I oh, love thank you. the cover of the book. Um, Robert graduated from Rhodes University, South Africa, and completed graduate work at Union Theology Seminary, New York, eventually becoming the highest ranked openly gay clergy person in the Episcopal Church at, at the time. So fascinating and interesting. We'll be right back with Robert Taylor. faced with important decisions in your life, do you ever feel like you're groping for answers in the dark? In our relationships, our careers, our health, and even our spiritual journey, we often feel like we're just making our best guess about what to do next. That's because our rational mind, the part of us that has to think through our decisions, can only see a tiny part of the big picture. But what if you could know more? Join Marie for her live six-week online event, Attuning to the Unseen World. The online course begins Tuesday, April 17th. Register now at SoundsTrue.com. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. You are always supported. You are never alone. From before you were born and throughout your whole life, you are accompanied by your spirit guides. Making contact with your spirit guides is just the first step on an extraordinary path to discovery. 
To find out how to make contact with the forces that have always been watching over you, join Marie at her Spirit Guide Workshop, Saturday, October 13th at the Lake Union Courtyard. This interactive day-long workshop will help reveal how you can deepen your relationship with your guides and increase their role in your life. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Shift your morning into overdrive with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on Alternative Talk 1150. Caffeinate your consciousness 6 a.m. weekdays with hot talk and great guests as you get your day underway with Mance and Mitchell, the most unusual radio show in western Washington. Presets adore us, snooze buttons fear us. Friday, we wrap up the week with Rich Dolan, author of A.D. After Disclosure. What happens when the world knows that we are not alone? Stay informed with news, traffic, and weather at the top of the hour, weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Remanu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. We're live here in Seattle on 1150 AM. You can also reach us on the air, I mean the computer airwaves. You can go to my website at energyintuitive.com. Click on the radio show page, click on the listen live button, and you'll be able to listen to the show. And Mike, where can people listen to the show from KKNW's website? Well, they can go to our all new and improved uh, website. Uh, real simple. It's www.1150kknw.com. Look in the uh, kind of like the upper right hand corner. You'll see a little tab that says listen or watch live. All you got to do is click on ah. that. It'll take you to another menu. You just push up a little button and it'll bring up your uh, media player and your computer. So exciting. I love, and I do really enjoy that new website. It's very cool. Like right now, my picture is probably on the homepage, right? Yeah. Because whoever's on the air, you get to see whoever it is. It's kind of cool. Yeah, you're making us tiny celebrities. I love it. Um, today, I'm interviewing Robert Taylor, the author of A New Way to Become Human. Um, the foreword was written by Desmond Tutu. Um, Robert was born and raised in South Africa. He firsthand saw the differences that could be made when oppressed people are given the freedom to discover their voices trust their imagination and find the courage to be who they are. These experiences deeply empowered him, transforming his own life. Um, so welcome back to the show, Robert. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, really, your story is fascinating. And you've been, I didn't expect that. I don't know why. I, I don't know exactly what I was thinking. I've known about your book for a couple years, actually. Um, both you and I were writing our first, uh, is this your first book? It is, yeah. yes. So yeah. We're, we were writing our first book at the same time, and mine came out on March 1st, and and yours just came out, uh, well, it's really not quite official. I think it's the 22nd of April is its official release date. But I have a beautiful copy, and I'm, I know other people do, too. Well, good. And it's uh, it's certainly um, uh, in stock at places like Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon. Amazon. Shipping for I two saw weeks, that. It's just become available uh, for a Nook and for a Kindle. So for some people, that's really important. It and is. I'm, I'm yeah. excited about that. And, of course, uh, in Seattle, I know that places like uh, the Magnolia Bookstore and Elliott Bay are, um, are stocking it. And, uh, of course, Elliott Bay is handling all of the sales for the big official Seattle uh, book launch on April the 17th. Yes. So on the 17th of April, you are going to have a huge, gigantic um, celebration uh, at the town hall in Seattle. And, and there's still tickets available. It's at 630 in the evening. And people go and go to brownpapertickets.com to reserve a seat. I, I understand you've already sold quite a few tickets, which is wonderful. 
Yeah, it's going to be a wonderful festive evening. We've got a great band called Tambayo who are going to be playing music from 6 to 6.30. So if people are planning on coming, they should come and enjoy the, the fabulous um, music. And then a program from 6.30 to uh, 8 that's uh, uh, emceed by Margaret Larson. And, uh, from King 5, lovely. Yeah, and uh, Norm Rice. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah, the uh, co-founder of Global Partnerships are co-hosting the event. And um, so there are still tickets available. Um, and people can find them either, as you said, on brown paper tickets or by going to the town hall website. And, and obviously books will be on sale that evening. Lovely. Um, and be inscribed. Wonderful. I mean, I, that is just fantastic. I know you're going to have a great turnout, obviously. And you're going to have a wonderful time and everyone will enjoy the event. And that's a beautiful building, too. It's a great venue. It's yeah, it's lovely it's, inside. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it's sure really is. lovely. So, you know, you infused uh, your own stories throughout the book. That was the part that surprised me. I don't know why uh, it did. I just, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, I learned a lot more about you. And um, it, it, what inspired you to do that? What allowed you to be so open about your own life as well? Well, you know, I just, I love that you said that, Marie. So, so thank you, because I think the, the book is written with the hope that, um, that it will invite the reader to do exactly the same thing in her or his life. Mm. Uh, and, and as you know, uh, writing doesn't just sort of happen. <laughs> Gotta work there, at it. There was, there was actually a first manuscript that was produced, and uh, oh. and there were several publishers who were interested in it, and they all came back, this was about two years ago, and they said, you know what, we really think he's got a message and a story here, but he quotes all of these people all the time, <laughs> and he's obviously well-read and, and maybe quite learned, but, but he's got a story to tell, and... Um, we want to see a new manuscript. Wow. And, and that moment I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's hard to Surely tell. not. You've got yeah. to be kidding. Right. And then I thought, okay, the universe is telling me something here. <laughs> um, like everything else in life, I have a choice. I can resist this and try to keep shopping the book. But I knew intuitively, uh, and I talk a lot in the book about the way in which the power of the universe, the, the holy, and the truth of, and the wisdom of life is revealed through our intuition. I knew intuitively that the people who had said that about the first manuscript were right. Wow. And, and that I had to face something I was um, maybe hmm, somewhat fearful of doing. <laughs> and so I said about it. And, um, and uh, I, it just, it was a life-giving process for me. And, of course, you know, as you probably did, I had a, a group of, of um, trusted readers who read the manuscript as it was being produced right. and, and gave me really honest, heartfelt feedback. And and so, for me, that was part of the, one of the gifts of writing the book was to really be in that place of profound connectedness with people uh, who were who were giving me the wisdom of their honesty and, and the that. love and the love that goes with that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, we so. have people who've been waiting um, to ask questions. And so, Good. oh, yes, I know. And I, because I, I asked you off air, but you already had written on Facebook. 
I love to answer questions, which that's gorgeous. Um, so I love interviewing people. One of my favorite things to do is because I love it when another person gets to offer their wisdom and intelligence as well, because I think that's really important. Um, and I always think the people who are calling on the days and interviewing others, they're looking for that other person's advice as well. So, Mike, why don't we go ahead and go to the phone lines? Absolutely. Uh, we've got Annette from Seattle calling, and uh, she has a question about her children. Annette, say hello to Marie and Robert. Hello, Marie and Robert. Thanks so much for taking my call. I'm really enjoying the show. Lovely. Great. Thank you. Um, here's my question. Um, it's, it's, I'm hoping you can both help me. I'm so excited, like Marie said, um, to have called in today and listening. Um, I have two kids. I have a boy um, who's about 12 and a girl who's about 9. And um, wanted to know an overall, if you could, Marie, just an overall on their health. Um, the, uh, my little girl tends to over exhaust herself when she's playing sports and also on the spiritual realm, um, going through a divorce. And if there's any insight you could give me on that would be awesome. So please go ahead, Robert. Yeah. Well, and that, thank you for, for calling in. And, um, um, it sounds just from the fact that you're asking that the questions that you are, that, um, that your kids are surrounded by by your love and your care for them. So um, that 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 is a wonderful uh, uh, wonderful thing. I uh, in terms of um, where they are with the divorce, I I think um, divorce, no matter whether it's a, a so-called good divorce or, or not, um, it, it's as you know always difficult. Um, any of us who have gone through the ending of a relationship know that. And um, I think the truth is that that your children will respond and rebound uh, from that um, in their own wonderful way and that they will do it um, often because of what they see um, you both uh, doing and how you respond. Um, and the levels of respect and care and compassion that exist, even though um, you have come to a place of believing that you have to detach from one another in the form of a marriage. Um, okay. And so I think that there are lessons for your kids, ultimately, that they, they may not fully appreciate now uh, about the importance of self-respect, of self-love, um, and uh, of what it means to be able to say, I need to detach from a relationship that, and I'm not suggesting that this is the case with yours, um, but they will find themselves uh, in their teenage and adolescent years uh, in situations where there are toxic relationships. Mm. Uh, and I think often we tend to believe that, that love is about making nice or making everything seem okay. And so one of the one of the lessons that my hope is that, that your two kids might come away with is that that it, it requires a certain self love uh, and courage and compassion to be able to say it's not okay to be in a toxic situation, um, no matter the the level of toxicity, whether it's low grade or high octane. Um, and so I I also think that. Um, the other the, the other thing that, that I would say to you is is that um, for them to have as much of a semblance of 
uh, playfulness and delight in their life um, because they will on some level not understand uh, the divorce uh, and on some level they will. Uh, but if you and um, uh, your your uh, the spouse you're divorcing have the capacity to to still be playful and find something to delight in with them, whether that is walking through, you know, a park on a spring day and, and playing or um, going to your favorite place to get an ice cream cone or whatever it is, um, walking along a lake, um, to, to be able to, to let them know that, that delight and playfulness still exist even in the, the difficult curves that, that, um, that come our way in life. Uh, you will be giving them a huge gift and you might even find that there's a gift in it for yourself. You're such a great intuitive, Robert. I mean, really, <laughs> you gave excellent that advice. Was, Wasn't really that is. lovely? So lovely. Yes. I, I mean, oh, I, I agree. The kids are well, and your daughter's got tons of energy, so just let her play out to her heart's content. I mean, clearly, as Robert indicated, you're a very loving parent, and the fact that you are so attuned to their needs um, is really that's how children win the lottery you know, in the parenting world. And the only thing I, I would add to it just from my personal experience, because I've been divorced for over a decade and I had to be quiet for a really long time when I thought about my ex-husband, because it was very hard for me to come up with anything nice to say. And so I, I was quiet uh, in the beginning. I wasn't so quiet, but eventually within a year or so, I, I thought I have to be quiet. And after a while, I was able to really appreciate authentically things that he brings to um, my children. And what, what I know that makes my kids smile from ear to ear whenever I talk about their dad is when I talk about him that way. And and they, I think we've reveled as a family. We can now sit down at a celebratory dinner for one of our daughters and enjoy our new family dynamic. Um, and my children are all adults now. Um, and it's been like this for maybe like five years. And it's it's just a pleasure, you know. You know yes, it, all, all those things that Robert said, absolutely in terms of the toxicity, but to be able to eventually get to that place where you can appreciate the other parent um, and, and to speak about it authentically is something that I love watching my children delight in and makes them very happy. So that's something to maybe, maybe you're already there or to grow towards. Um, I think that makes for a lovely family dynamics after divorce. Thank you. Marie, you know, I, I love that you just said all of that because that's my experience of, of divorce as well um, and the ending of, of relationships. And I, I think there's enormous power in that. Um, and I think I think it's important also, Annette, um, that, that we're also compassionate and gentle with ourselves and that when we are feeling anger or rage or hurt or disappointment, um, I don't know where you are in the divorce process, but um, you've probably discovered a range of emotions and, and you know, there, there may be goals that you hope for down the road, but uh, don't beat yourself up um, for not being there now. Um, yeah, because that takes only a while. It, yeah, it invites yeah. negative life-draining energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we wish oh, you the best you. of luck and and congratulations on your new um, life choices. That's always fun too. Yeah. I agree. Thank yeah. you so much. Have a oh, beautiful. I appreciate it. Good yeah. to <laughs>
Have a beautiful day. We're going to take another break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We have people on the line. We will come back on the air and take your phone calls and, and let you hear beautiful answers and, and gorgeous inspirational words from Robert Taylor, the author of A New Way to Be Human. been thinking about heading down a healthier path but aren't quite sure where to begin marie has a set of dvds that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom insight and a dash of humor the healing from within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath dr sheila dunmerritt to produce four dvds that include detoxification heart health brain health and hormones the dvd series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671 become a reiki master the weekend of october 5th through october 7th at the redmond town center marriott this two and a half day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in reiki one two and three you will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants marie will be your instructor guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing constructive feedback take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified reiki master you will receive attunements that allow you to practice reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com for more details. You made it. It's 2012 and the earth didn't collapse into nothingness. So what are your plans? You could go on as you have, or you could take advantage of these expanding times and learn how to ride the wave of happiness right here, right now. Riding the Wave of Happiness is a two-hour class taught quarterly on Thursday evenings at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. Come join in on the fun. Upcoming dates include May 17th and August 16th. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. And visit Deborah's website at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Spread the word. Your favorite shows are on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I'm interviewing Robert Taylor, the author of A New Way to Be Human. And Robert is actually going to be at the Sun Valley Wellness Festival in May. Um, those dates are, uh, well, you're doing a talk on May 26th. That's for sure. We're, we, we know you're going to be there, so you're going to be there Friday, on May 25th and May 26th. You're doing a talk on Saturday in the afternoon, and then you're doing a book signing um, while I you're am. there as well. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm thrilled to know that you're going to be there doing a talk and a book signing as well. So I know. How wonderful is that? I know so <laughs> much fun. I, I know I'm and Ainsley McLeod, who's a local psychic that wrote books on transformation and reincarnation. He's going to be there too, giving talks. So I just feel like all my buddies are going to be there. And oh, lovely! <laughs> we've never met in person yet, anyway. So this will be our very first time. 
Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get to enjoy a walk or something yeah. together in the beauty of that place. Right, <laughs> it is beautiful there. I know you're going to love it. So it's, uh, you know, Sun Valley Wellness Festival is one of my favorite places to attend and, of course, to teach at. So they're, they're very lucky to have you. I know that they're going to enjoy you enormously. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it, Mary. Good, good. So, Mike, why don't we go ahead and go back to the phone lines? Absolutely. Uh, we're going to go to... Hudson, New York, where uh, Melinda has been waiting patiently, wants to talk about direction and health. Melinda, welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. Of course. Hi. Well, actually, from actually listening to um, both of you guys speak well on the phone, I actually had a question more pertaining to the art of interviewing. Ah. Um, and I, I wanted to ask both from your guys' perspective, because um, it seems as if... Um, I kind of, I, I guess my question is, how do you use your whole body to ask a question as opposed to just keeping it on the rational plane so that you can actually see someone having to work through a question and find a new answer as opposed to regurgitate some known facts? Like, how do you sort of enter into different planes to access kind of more real and tangible content or information or emotion or what it may, whatever it may be? So, Robert, do you want to answer that question? Yeah, I, you know, I, I love the question, Linda. Thank you for it because, um, and it's, I, I talk a lot about this in the book indirectly, and, and I talk about it through um, the, the way in which we learn to cultivate the art of attentive listening. And I think we live in a culture where there's a lot of noise directed at mm -hmm. us all the time. And, you know, we, we could list the ways that that happens. Um, and we're often very busy talking. And to be able to practice listening attentively to uh, what somebody is actually saying uh, is, is certainly when you're with someone in person, um, that involves paying attention to uh, the way in which you're sitting, the way in which the other person is sitting, the, the kind of space you're in, uh, the body language, the, the small movements of hand or, or the eyes or someone's smile um, or, or a sadness that, that a smile might be masking, um, which we're often pretty good at doing. Um, but attentive listening involves all of those components. It's not just about the words. Um, it's, it's really about putting yourself in um, inviting yourself and the other person to be in a shared space and circle of consciousness about each other. Mm -hmm. And one of the practices that I use every day uh, is at the start of the day to think about the people who I know I'm going to be meeting. And I might meet them uh, because we're going to be emailing about something. Uh, I might meet them over the phone, as we're doing. Uh, or it might be in person. Uh, so I think about all of those folks uh, and try to, to begin the day with mindful intentions uh, for each one of them. Could you, could you repeat the lesson you start the day how? Uh, sorry? Oh, sorry, I, I lost. You said you started the day how? Or you, you try to think of... Could you repeat the last sentence you said? Sorry. Oh, so I, I try to um, be mindful uh, and invite awareness of, um, of the fact that we, we're part of a uh, shared circle uh, of, of intuitive connection with each other. 
Uh, and I find that what that exercise does each day uh, is, is it really prepares me and creates um, an awareness about the people I'm going to be talking with. But it also helps me with the people who I have unexpected encounters with. The, mm-hmm. the clerk who's ringing up the order in the grocery store who suddenly says something. And mm-hmm. it's, on, it's not the simple thing that it might seem to be on the surface. Um, but in that moment, that person needs to connect and say something. Um, and so I think it's about a, a mindful awareness about approaching each day, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I kind of cheat uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's hear it. I do, <laughs> I do, you know, I do. Uh, but I, I, I do my very best to surround myself with people who um, are very much like me. Not, not exactly like me, but perhaps in their heart, you know, we have similarities. And, and as you know, Robert, as more and more people move towards being multisensory, they become intuitive. And, and yeah. intuitive in their own life, which I find fascinating. And so as you come together in friendships and in, in these lovely encounters... Um, and I loved what you said about, you know, preparing yourself so that you can reach people, complete strangers on that level. I loved that. Uh, then life just seems to flow so much more easily, which allows you to be more present. And so then you're not going to your history of pain and wounds and you're able to stay present and just be in the beauty of the energy. Uh, and, and of course, um, back to, you know, even on the radio, I, I don't interview people that I don't want to interview. I interview people that I'm interested in, I feel inspired about, because when I have that feeling inside me, I think it makes the whole experience for everyone, myself included, more joyful. So for me, it's about choices. Yeah, choices. Yeah. So I cheat. And is there, um, so I, I love that idea of, of, you know, purposely being mindful throughout the entire day. Is there any, um, in terms of uh, intuition, um, how one can sort of um, enter into the conversation? Is there, is there any type of like stillness or any type of exercises that you could recommend before I go into an interview or before? Well, I would, uh, I would suggest that there are probably several practices and, and just one that I, that I might offer out is if there is a moment um, to take um, what I like to think of as a mindfulness or a meditation break, and that might just be, you know, going outside and taking a two or three minute walk um, to center yourself and mm-hmm. to to invite um, awareness um, of your intuition because it's very mm-hmm. easy, I think, um, when we're in certain kinds of situations or interviews to to allow the anxiety uh, that we may be feeling or uh, to have some thought about the person who's interviewing us or talking with us that that really essentially serves to, when we give it power, um, it serves to, to block off uh, uh, or encircle our intuitiveness. So, so I would suggest that as, as one of, of several tools for uh, preparing yourself. Beautiful, Thank you. Yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much for calling in. Have a gorgeous day in New York. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All righty, bye-bye. Bye. You know, there are several things, obviously, that you wrote in this book that I truly enjoy, but one of them, this is a little bit later in the book on page 155, you wrote, Doubt is one of the grandest birthing experiences on your quest. Now, I loved it, signaling that you are on the verge of growth. Transformation is usually planted by the seeds of doubt. 
that the hairpin curves of life reveal. I love that. Could you speak more about that, please? Well, you know, I um... (laughs) (laughs) Well, really, it's one of my favorites. I mean, like, wow, because it's true. It's so true. Well, thank you. I, I love it. It's um, it's actually in the uh, section that is the sixth of the seven pathways in the book, and this pathway is, is called um, Hairpin Curves of Life. <laughs> and and I, I tell a story about, you know, something that totally upended, you know, my plan for and expectation for my life at a certain uh, season in, in that life. Um, but, I, but I think uh, we... So many people, uh, and we've probably each been there, uh, maybe there right now, um, find that doubt um, uh, really it can be unsettling. Mm. Uh, and so we try to cling on to certainty. And, you know, we the most egregious <laughs> example of that and the most humorous one sometimes is, you know, we find ourselves at work, we, we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and, and it doesn't work, and we, and we keep doing it expecting the results will be different. Uh, but we cling on to this certainty that oh, this, this is, uh, it, it's going to work. Um, <laughs> and, and it normally doesn't. Um, right. And, you know, the universe and life demands our attention. And I think so that's one way of, of, of dealing with the hairpin curves. You just wait until they get insistent enough to really <laughs> say, listen, listen, wake up. Um, or you, you create a, a landscape for your own life in which you welcome doubt. Mm. Uh, and that, that may be doubting some of the things that have been instilled in you since childhood that mm. you have just taken as a given. Wow, uh, and some of those things that are instilled in us are so beautiful and so powerful, and others are are really like um, you know barrier walls that 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 have become invisible to us. The the sort of enclosures of of maybe religion or politics or culture or family um, or or somebody you know, having ingrained in you that, that your voice and your story isn't important or who are you to to have imagination? Um, and so doubt, I believe, uh, is the, the great birth giver because it, it allows us to take steps on the landscape of our life um, that perhaps we might have been hesitant to take before. And we usually find that when we start taking those steps, but life itself and the most surprising companions along the way appear as our teachers or as, uh, as friends of some kind. Uh, that, that was gorgeous and leads me into another um, one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, it's, it's, the, it's a little subtitle, Where Does Your Heart Belong? on page 89. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you talk about a woman named Peggy who um, discovers... Uh, through some very painful experiences, she vis- visits a township in Africa where uh, women and children are aff- afflicted with HIV and AIDS. And, 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 you know, obviously they're very sick and some are dying, obviously. Yeah. And, and how, the strength of the women and the women who are um, having to do, deal with the disease and the loss of their children, uh, it allowed Peggy to open up her own heart to move in some vulnerable place that she had no intention of going, I think. Yeah, yeah. And well, find I, magic I, there. Yeah, well, I love this 
that you love so many parts of the book, mm-hmm. Marie. That that's just fabulous. Um, you know, Peggy is is uh, a remarkable people, uh, as are the many people whose stories I tell uh, in the book. And Peggy was was really transformed by this experience of of being in a in a township in South Africa uh, and meeting women who had discovered their own HIV status because their children had died of AIDS. And so this particular group of women had formed a collective where they made, uh, they engaged in deed work. And, and so it was about earning an income, uh, but it was about more than that. It was about uh, creating community out of their grief and their loss, but, but not just out of grief and loss, but because of their hope and their belief in the possibility of the future and in their belief that they could help to stop the spread of the HIV virus through through the small actions that they were taking. And I think Peggy was just overwhelmed by this sense of, of oneness that existed and of incredible hope when she might have expected people to have been filled with despair and hopelessness. And, and I think the, the other thing that happened uh, that day for her uh, where she went into an orphanage where uh, children uh, were living whose parents had died of, of uh, AIDS. And above each door in the house, um, there was a sign that read, um, any child is my child. Wow. And I think what was so striking for Peggy was that it was a reminder that we are each the relatives of one another. Wow. We are each part of the one human family. And I heard you talking at the start of the show about politics, and and uh, the political season right now is so incredibly ugly, and and uh, I expect that it's going to get more so. And I I think that my hope is that the book offers some, some guidelines for how we can help to upend the, the vitriol um, that we hear, because in all of that nastiness uh, is a setting uh, apart of people and setting people against one another, uh, which I believe is incredibly destructive to, to what it means to be human. Uh, and so I, I think the power of Peggy's story that I tell in the book is that, you know, we can't all go to a a township in southern Africa to have that experience, or if we did, we may not have it. Those experiences present themselves to us no matter where we live. Um, And and I think it's a matter of um, being open and alert um, to the invitation that they extend to us when we we approach life with with an openness to, to one another. You know, Robert, that was so beautifully well said. And thank you so much for coming on the show. If you want to meet Robert quickly and um, be a part of his celebration of the book launch of his first delicious book, A New Way to Be Human, um, then you definitely want to go to brownpapertickets.com. Or what was the bookstore that you actually said is also selling tickets? Uh, in Seattle, I don't think that they're selling the ah. tickets, but Elliot Bay is actually um, sponsoring the event. Uh, yes, is, uh, handling the book sales for Great. the event. Great. So that's Tuesday, April seventeenth at six thirty p.m. You want to arrive early so you can listen to some beautiful music and spend a lovely evening with Robert Taylor. Thank you again for coming on the air with us. We so enjoyed your pre- presence again, and we wish you the best of luck in um, your book sales and all of your talks. Thank you so much, Marie. What a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
And uh, on Saturday, I'm actually going to be in Bellingham at 2 p.m. at the Village Bookstore signing books for intuitive self-healing and giving a free book talk. So if you're in the area, I love Bellingham. It's one of my favorite places. I used to teach there once a month. And so I'm so excited to see some new friends and old friends and uh, hang out for a little while. And then on November 7th, um, excuse me, April 17th, I'm in the fall for some reason, um, I will be doing an on-air a live um, online event with Sounds True. It's called Attuning to the Unseen World. You can go to energyintuitive.com to find out more. Have a beautiful day, and until next week, joyful blessings. Bye-bye.